We're live in three, two... Welcome, welcome, welcome into Leather Brains episode 135. Today is Wednesday, October 4th, and I am your host, Slapdog. I am joined today by my very good friend, Yeti. How have you been, man? How's how's fantasy football going for you? How's the NFL season going for you? Uh, NFL season, uh, I don't really want to talk about too much as a Raiders fan. Uh, fantasy, though, yeah. we can talk about fantasy sure. for, for days. You know, I think that's what we're here to do, uh, but... I think for for my personal teams, we're doing okay. We're we're staying afloat. Uh, our league of record, we're I'm doing, you know, middle of the pack. But I think I got screwed over by some matchups, you know, this week. But uh, you know, let's uh, let's help some people win their games this week, huh? Well, uh, yes, that's what we're here to do. Um, we have a lot to talk about, as we do most episodes. I mean, there's that's usually what we're here to do is to talk. And for those that are watching and or listening, that's what they're here for. So today, we have the Monday night takeaway, so we got to do some cleanup on that Monday night game. There's a little bit of conversation that needs to happen there, and then I'm a little sad by what we're going to talk about today, and it's mm. the first quarter review. So I, I want you to imagine you're in elementary school again, and the quarterly report card comes out, oh, and you got to bring it home to mom and dad, and you got to show them mm. all your grades and how you're doing. That's kind of what this this episode is going to be about is we're bringing that report card home or we're getting we're mom and dad we're getting the report card so we're going to look it over we're going to have some conversations about some fantasy relevant biggest winners and biggest losers so far this season so I think this is going to be a lot of fun but it's kind of sad for me because we're a quarter of the way through the NFL already this NFL season is already a quarter of the way done which is so sad because we wait all year for this moment for this time and we're already a quarter of the way done so it, let's let's I think the the thing to take away from this is let's enjoy it let's embrace it there's still plenty of football left to be played but let's just recognize we're in the moment right now and let's appreciate it for what it is after that we're going to do flex appeal got to do it love it sounds great it's a little spicy. So we're going to bring some flex appeal, some flex options, and uh, we're going to have some arguments and conversations and maybe agree on some things. Who knows? And then we're going to finish it with brain busters. So Yeti, let's start out with the Monday Night Football game. Seahawks win this one 24-3 from the Giants. Where do you mm-hmm. want to start? Because this was an absolute shit show for the Giants. Um, I, Yeah, let's start with the Giants here. Um, just because I've seen a lot of overreaction to the Giants offense through the first four weeks. Obviously, you know, we came into the season thinking Daniel Jones and Brian Dable, they're, you know, they're a match made in heaven. Brian Dable helped Josh Allen out so much. And we saw Daniel Jones transform into a Josh Allen light with his running upside last year, limited turnovers. So we were super hype on Daniel Jones and Darren Waller coming into the season, right? But my God, have they looked bad. And a lot of the blame, rightfully so, is put on the quarterback, right? But I don't think it's fair to put the whole blame on him. Because if you look at this Giants team, their starting offensive line is down two guys. Their left tackle and their right tackle have been both been banged up. 
the left tackle has missed the past couple of weeks with an injury. The right tackle that they drafted last year in the top 10 has just not performed very well. And Daniel Jones is scrambling for his life, man. He is. Um, I looked at the numbers compared to other quarterbacks this year. Daniel Jones has been under pressure 79 times. That's the most in the NFL. Justin Fields is second with 73 pressures. So, I mean, Daniel Jones, he last year he was a good fantasy quarterback, right? But we know in real life he's an average quarterback. And when you have a guy running for his life, basically every play, you turn an average quarterback into a pretty bad quarterback. And I think that's what we're seeing so far this season. Do you think it's fair to say that the Giants are screwed? Is that a fair question or is that a fair statement like do you if you're a Giants fan right now do you really believe that there is any uh, is there any light at the end of the tunnel is there any optimism here obviously like you mentioned I just hit my microphone they're uh they're down two offensive linemen but you look at this entire situation as you just mentioned Daniel Jones is really kind of a middle of the pack quarterback he's not anything special but given the quarterback market right now he just got paid so he signed to a contract so the Giants are pretty much stuck with with Jones there's really no offensive pieces here. There's an aging Darren Waller who really hasn't done anything and hasn't been that spark for that offense that most Giants fans and fantasy football players were hoping for. You have a lot of youthful young wide receivers, but none of them are are your a true wide receiver one, and none of them have, have taken a step towards excitement for the Giants offense. So are the Giants really just in a bad place here, do you think? And is there any is there any optimism for Giants fans? It, that's a that's a loaded question, and I just want to first start by addressing Daniel Jones's contract. I think last year or this offseason when he got paid, they made a huge mistake, and that's not an overreaction based off the first four games. But if you look at who their best players are on that offense, it's Saquon Barkley, and then maybe Daniel Jones, right? I think they should have spent the bag on Saquon Barkley because he's not only a running back, but he's their best slot wide receiver. And they don't happen to have any elite wide receivers. Now, you kind of alluded to it uh, with getting their young wide receivers involved, and they did so uh, even more in this game versus Seattle. Uh, We saw Jalen Hyatt. He played the most snaps that he's played through four games so far with 40, 45 snaps. Wandale Robinson got involved a little more with 48 snaps. So um, they're trying to get these young guys going. But it's hard when the offensive line is not performing. And so right now, I think this is a perfect opportunity to buy low on this offense, to be honest with you. It's not all doom, right? I think there is going to be gloom at the end of the tunnel here. They just need to get their pieces back. And Saquon Barkley, when he comes back, he's going to elevate that offense. He's not going to be, you know, the problem solver to to everything, but he's going to be a huge relief for Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones likes to dump off to Saquon. So I think there is some light coming up, you know, if their their line gets figured out, if it gets healthy, but you just got to ride the wave for now, Giants fans. Okay, well, let's look at the other side of this this coin here. Let's let's look at the Seahawks very very quickly. Um, Geno Smith. For fantasy purposes, certainly not not anything to get excited about. And this team is you look at the wide receivers; they're Lockett and DK are still there, but they're not, they're not doing anything incredible right now either. And par- partially that could be Geno's fault. But Kenneth Walker looks like he uh, 
he might be a mainstay here, and I think maybe the Charbonnet owners and, and the people who were concerned with that maybe shouldn't be. Yeah, I think the rumors of Kenneth Walker's demise were greatly exaggerated this year. You know, coming into the offseason, we were saying, you know, they, they drafted Zach Charbonnet in the third round, so we're, we kind of expected a workload, right? But Kenneth Walker, he's been the workhorse back for Seattle. Um, and so far on the season, he's an RB5 in PPR leagues. So, you know, I, there's no indication to me that Kenneth Walker is going to lose snaps. He's performing at a high level from from last year even. So I think, you know, people who drafted Kenneth Walker late this year, those teams better be, you know, they should be top sure. in your leagues right now. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think, you know, there's a fly flying around and it keeps landing on my head and it's just pissing me off. You're like a squirrel oh. right now. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, it sucks owning Metcalf and Lockett right now. And, and they're kind of flex Metcalf is a wide receiver too, at the moment. Like that's truly what he is for fantasy purposes. Um, a wide receiver 20. So, uh, but Lockett certainly not anything to, to write home about. And their rookie JSN is not, not looking great either. So, um, it's, it's a little frustrating, but it is what it is for fantasy purposes. I think Kenneth Walker is definitely the guy I'd want to own for them. So, yeah. And my question to you about the Seattle team is, you know, fantasy aside, do you think this team is capable of going to the wild card? Are they a legit wild card contender? That's a good question. That's a really good question. And one that I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I look at this schedule. You got the Bengals after this bye week here this week, and then Arizona, which hopefully they will win. Um, Browns, Ravens, Rams, 49ers, Dallas, 49ers, Eagles. There's a really good chance to get their ass kicked here in the middle of this season. So I'm going to go with no. I, I mean, the 49ers are running this division. They're going to run this division. And I just don't I don't even know if a wild card push, given how difficult of a schedule they have, is within the realm of possibility for them at this moment. Yeah, I I think their defense has been pretty good thus far. And they're getting their two cornerbacks back uh, they, they came back Monday night, actually, and they looked pretty good, but they're getting back into game speed, obviously. And so I'm not saying, you know, they're going to be a smash team, but I think that defense is starting to gel. They're starting to come together. And I, I look at the other NFC teams, and I, I'm kind of curious who is going to be the wild card teams there because you have the two top teams in the NFC East and the Cowboys and the Eagles. West, The NFC West, we know the 49ers are going to run it. Uh, NFC North, man, that's going to be a shit show. And I really doubt a wild card is going to come out of that division. And then we have the NFC South, which I don't think we really need to dive into. So I think, I think <laughs> I if guess... anything, it's going to be the East. I mean, obviously the lions are going to win yeah. it all in the North. That's no, no surprise. I mean, the North even uh, there's, uh, there's contention there too, right? I mean, like the, if are the Vikings going to turn this around, that's a conversation that I think a lot of people are really curious to know is that offense or not offense, but their defense really going to step it up because our offense is typically keeping them in games. It's their defense. That's really making them struggle. Um, the lions, you know, I'm Homer for Dan Campbell. Um, and I, I do think that they are very good. And then the Packers even are really good. So that, that's a difficult division. Like Jordan love is not a bad quarterback. I don't think the Packers are, I probably put them third on that list for the NFC North and obviously the bears and last, um, the East is, I mean, the Cowboys and Eagles right now are frisky. They are. And I, th- I think the East is certainly going to earn a wild card spot. 
given this conversation, I, I really do think the Rams and the 49ers are, are the two best in the West at the moment. So, and I didn't mean to rhyme that, but I did. And I, I feel like a badass for doing it. So I think you picked the wrong career. Like you should be a, a rapper. I agree. Like a little Dickie esque. Yeah. Except yeah. I have a really big Dickie. Um, all right. So <laughs> hey, let's go. Uh, let's go talk about these uh, Yeti. It's the first round of uh, a bye weeks, buddy. So we got to talk about bye weeks mm. because mm-hmm. they are here. This is the first round of them. I'm going to name a couple teams here. These players are probably in lineups for some people, so you need to go make sure that they are not in your starting lineup because they're not playing this week. First and foremost, Seattle, the team we just talked about. They are on bye this week as well as the Cleveland Browns, Los Angeles Chargers, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if you have anybody starting in any of those games, and I'm sure most people probably do, go pull them out because you need to go look for replacements. We'll kind of cover some flex appeal options that are certainly some some um, conversational points for all of you playing fantasy football a little bit later here in this episode. So stay tuned because that could be a very important conversation for your starts and sits this week. But Before we get into that, we have the first quarter review, as I mentioned earlier. So let's just start this one out, buddy. The biggest winners is what we're going to cover first here. So this first group of of players is the biggest winners for the first quarter review for fantasy football. So Puka Nuka and Kyron Williams, they are, (laughs) who would have thought? These are both waiver wire ads, Yeti. These are both guys that before this season started, most people probably hadn't even really heard of. And they're killing it. Yeah, yeah. Puka was one of those guys that I had kind of heard about, you know, just because we play dynasty football and, you know, we take shots in our rookie drafts. Right. But my God, I don't think anybody expected a top five performance for the first four weeks. And if, if you got him in your redraft leagues, you also should be at the top of your leagues. Right. Yeah. But uh, my goodness, like he came into the league, he's leading the league with 52 targets, 501 receiving yards, and he only has one touchdown, which is crazy <laughs> that he's a wide receiver five with one touchdown four on the season, sorry, yeah. With one touchdown. It's crazy. And then you have Kyron Williams who somehow he outlasted Cam Akers. I don't know if Cam Akers banged, you know, Sean McVay's that, wife. That's again, the rumor that was going around. I, yeah, it must be, man. I don't, don't sleep with Sean something McVay's about wife. his wife. Yeah. <laughs> but he he's turned on the Jets here and I mean all of his efficiency numbers look great so far. He's getting um, he's getting a lot of yak. He's breaking tackles. He looks good. He's RB3 and he's on the He's got season. the full workload. He's RB3 yeah. on the season. You have a running back for one team that is the RB3, and you also have, what, a top four wide receiver for PPR formats? He's number four, and they're both coming out of the same team. That is impressive even of itself. And that's something I I think when you really have this conversation, the first quarter review, Puka Nuka and Kyron Williams are certainly eating. I think you have to give some kudos out to Matt Stafford because Matt Stafford is throwing the ball a shit ton. And he's doing it pretty well. These guys both have tremendous PPR value, like you just mentioned. Puka's wide receiver four on the season with only one touchdown. And that goes to show how much Sean McVay wants to throw the ball. And it goes to show how effective Matt Stafford is at throwing the ball because Kyron Williams also has that PPR value. And he is catching the ball out of the backfield. And he is on the field 100% of the time right now. So 
you got to kind of tip your hat to this entire offense. And I think a lot of people kind of wrote this offense off because Matt Stafford was coming back from an injury. Cooper Cup was coming back from an injury. And I think most people were not really expecting much from this team. And for fantasy purposes, they're getting it done right now. Who would have thought that your starting quarterback and your, you know, three of your offensive line being out last year would <laughs> hurt your offense, right? <laughs> and here we are, you know, the Rams offense looks like they did when they were in the Super Bowl, right? They look pretty explosive at this point. And like you said, it's largely to do with Matthew Stafford and the offensive line being back. Um, my my one thing with Puka, obviously, big talking point. Everybody's talking about it. What do you do now with Cooper Cup coming off the IR? And one. so I took to Twitter. I took to our Brainiacs and I asked a question. What are you all doing with Puka Nuka now that Cooper Cup is off the IR? Gave them three options. Are you holding Puka? Have you traded or are you looking to trade Puka? Are you crying a bit inside? Uh, 60% of the votes went to holding Puka, which I think is a correct answer here. So slaps. I pose the same question to to you. What are you doing with Puka Nuka if you have them? I only have them in a dynasty league, and it's because I... And I'm really glad that I made that trade. It was... At the time, It he hadn't... I mean, he was still doing really well, but there was a week previous when he kind of had a bum week, so to speak, and there was still some concerns. Dynasty, I love it. I am, I'm eating it up. I think the biggest concern for Dynasty people is what's going on? Is Matt Stafford going to be in the picture long term? And that's the question that I think a lot of people really need to be thinking about for Dynasty. I was okay purchasing him for what I did. But I just I, I blanket statement that because you have to be thinking about that, right? For redraft formats. I'm all in, baby. I am all in on Puka because while Cooper Cup, he did come off the the IR today and the 21-day window has now opened for him to return to play. That's great. We don't root for injury here, and I like that. But it it very evidently, there is still some concern here, right? Like even with him coming back, you hope he's healthy. You think he's healthy. But this was an injury that he sustained last season, and here we are the following season, and it's still following him in this. So very clearly, it's it's lingering. That is somewhat of a concern. And I'm going to tell you this, Yeti. I do think Puka's value, I, I think his, his fantasy performance with Cooper Cup on the field dwindles a little bit. I really do. That's to be expected because Matt, Staff- or Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup, the connection there and the hyper-targeting that he does for Cooper Cup has been immense. With Cooper Cup back on the field, Puka's value still goes down. But I, I also think that's great because now you have two incredible wide receivers on the field who are going to pull coverage, who are going to be really difficult to cover and scheme for for defenses. That creates opportunity. When Cooper Cup's on the field, defenses have to be aware of that, right? So Puka's getting all this usage right now, which is great. I expect it to go down a little bit, but that doesn't concern me enough to try and sell him at the moment. What do you think? Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I think both of their volume is going to go down a little bit, and that is okay. I I don't think it's going to necessarily hurt either of them. Um, With Pukanuka, I think he's still your wide receiver too. And on a given week, he has wide receiver one upside. Cooper Cup, he's going to be your wide receiver one. And I think he has that safe floor. Um, They're both very good route runners. Cooper Cup, uh, he's going to eat because Puka is going to get coverage. So Cooper Cup might get more one-on-ones, which is great for him. But because not only is he a a target hog, he's an elite route runner. That's why, you know, that's why he got paid. Um, So I think this, this can only benefit the both of them. 
I agree. And I'm, I'm excited. I, I think that a lot of people are trying to figure out what to do with him. I don't hate the idea of selling Puka high. I, I get it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you don't do that because a lot of these conversations are based around your team needs. If you struck gold and you picked up Puka off the waiver wire in week two, you're really happy that you did. And if your team is looking just fine and you're winning games and you have the running backs and you have the wide receivers and Puka was a flex consideration for you and still is, you're eating really pretty. But if you're desperately, like, if you're holding on to, like, Travis Etienne and Najee Harris is your two running backs, then yeah, you probably kind of want to start exploring some different options to try and strengthen your backfield. So they're, they're, everything is based on on team team makeup right now. So I don't hate the idea of selling them, and I'm not going to tell you to sell them. But if I was an owner and I had enough stability within my team, I'm going to hold them, and that's where I'm at. Let's move over to Anthony Richardson. Let's let's talk about Anthony Richardson. He is he is certainly he's looking great. He's not the only rookie quarterback that's looking great, but he is one of those ones. He's not the worst rookie quarterback right now. That would be Bryce Young, right? So Anthony Richardson, he's got the uh, the rushing upside that a lot of people were optimistic about. And yet, I'm going to tell you this as well. He looks good throwing the ball, man. He really does. He's He's not making a lot of mistakes throwing the ball like a lot of people had concerns with when he was in college and moving up. It's crazy what happens when you play with NFL wide receivers who have a lot of skill. But he also he's he's looking great. He's paired with Shane Steichen, who is Jalen Hurts' offensive coordinator, and kind of helped turn the ship with Jalen Hurts. And he looks like he's he's really doing right by Anthony Richardson here. What do you think? Yeah, and I want to give a big shout out to Shane Steichen here because he he's making Anthony Richardson look good. Like this, per, I don't want to say he's making him look good, but he's given him the right tools. He's given them the right game plans to perform at a high level, and he. You know, he is performing at a high level, not only with his legs, but his arm. Like you said, they're getting him out on a lot of rollouts, which is great. They're giving him easy reads with Michael Pittman, um, which is obviously Michael Pittman is he's a very good pass catcher. He's good at what he does. Right. So, I, I yeah, I, I can't emphasize how well of a job Shane Sykin is doing thus far. I mean, like. What, like projecting him at, at end of season is Richardson a pretty st- safe start for you for fantasy at this point? Like, obviously matchups come into consideration, and and Richardson was one of those quarterbacks who was being drafted somewhat late in fantasy football. Can you comfortably just set and forget him as a starter at this point, just given the rushing upside that he provides? When he's averaging forty three rushing yards a game, that provides you a very safe floor. Right. That gives you, you know, an extra four points on top of whatever he can produce with his arm. So on a weekly basis, you're probably looking at a 16 point floor with massive upside, given he scores on the goal line. Right. He's, so I he's, think he has a rushing touchdown in every game he's played in. He exactly. has at least one rushing touchdown in every starting game. Obviously, he had a concussion against Houston. He had two rushing touchdowns in that game, and it wasn't even the first half yet. And then, obviously, he got a concussion. He was out the rest of that game, and then he was out for the Ravens game. So, like, he's had 10 rushing attempts, 10 rushing attempts, and three in his concussion game. Like, they're very clearly, they're not afraid to run the ball with him. They want to run the ball with him, and he's effective at running the ball. So, I, I think, for me, he's he's comfortably a start. He's somebody that – and just looking at their schedule, they don't have a ton of difficult opponents. Like, they have winnable games. The Colts could be kind of a uh, – a frisky wild card, if you if you will. Like they're they're an interesting team. I'm comfortable starting Anthony Richardson on a weekly basis, and I'm really impressed with this kid thus far. 
And I'll even go out on a limb and I'll say he's matchup proof at this point because of his rushing upside. You know, if you want to put him against the best defense, okay, what are they going to do? They're going to load the box and they're going to force him to throw. Okay, well, when he completes four or five of those passes in a row, he proves that he can throw the ball. He's going to take off and run when whenever he can. So, and it's, you know, he's kind of like a Justin Fields at this point. Yeah, but probably last year. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, and also, I think he's throwing the ball better than Fields is. So, and that that you could there's a whole conversation in and of itself. There is it Fields's coaching? Is it Fields' ability? I don't want to get into that, but because uh, it is a, it's an it's an, it's its own conversation. But um, I think Shane Steichen is doing a great job with this kid, and I'm I'm excited for the future for him as well as let's just point out John Taylor is going to be back now. What does that look like for this team? We don't know because there's still a lot of rumors going around that Jonathan Tate, he wants to be traded. He doesn't want to play for this team. There's a lot of of frustration there. The drama is still going to continue. However, Jonathan Taylor did come off the pup today. His 21-day window is activated. He was at practice today, so he's expected to be ready to go for week five. Let's see if it happens. And, And let's see what this offense looks like with two very talented rushing people in that backfield and and that's what i'm really interested to see i don't know if taylor's a start this week for me um just because he's still got to relearn a lot of i mean he has a new offensive coordinator this is a new offense he hasn't been able to mesh with the the group one yet and then you have the drama stuff on top of it so i don't know if i'm starting taylor this week but worth watching and 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 monitoring tight end sam laporta for the lions what another young guy Tight end you, baby. He came from there, and he has certainly proven why he was utilized in Iowa and drafted here because he's looking wonderful. It shows why the the, the Lions traded TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings, and I think they got a really, really good young rookie wide receiver in Sam Laporta. He's looking wonderful, Yeti. He's looking incredible. Yeah, it's almost like if your name isn't Noah Fant and you come and play <laughs> at Iowa as a tight end, like you're going to be an elite NFL tight end at this point because Sam Laporta, all he's done in the first four weeks is he's put up tight end four numbers. He was probably a waiver wire ad for a lot of people, which, you know, rightfully so, right? He's a rookie trying to prove his role, but he's demanded a 28% target share in this offense, man. That doesn't just happen by, by chance. Like he's getting involved. He's getting plays drawn up for him. And he's performing at a high level with Jared Goff already as a rookie. Yeah. Sam Laporta throughout four weeks has a 20.6% target share. He's looking incredible. I want to say he is uh, tight end two on the season, I believe. Um, yep. He's tight end two on the season. Oh, and, yep. Sorry. I messed that up. Oh, that's good. Uh, and I mean, he's looking great. The only person who's ahead of him is TJ Hawkinson. And it's not by a big margin. So, uh Congratulations to Sam Laporta. Even bigger congratulations to the big brain Danny Campbell and the Lions. They uh, they knew what they were doing drafting this guy, and I'm excited for uh, this to continue. Sam Laporta's doing great. He's a tight end that I don't think you're going to be able to pry away from opponents because they're certainly getting the value out of that position, and that's hard to do. But I, uh, I'm excited to watch them continue. I'm also excited for the Texans, Yeti. I'm excited for yeah, the Texans, which is a... Your ex, man. Yeah, my ex, my uh, my old lover, so to speak. They look good, Yeti. I mean, they they look good. 
there's nothing else to say. I, CJ Stroud looks great. These rookie wide receivers, you know, Tank Dell and Nico Collins isn't a rookie, but he's a young wide receiver. They're looking wonderful. This team is looking great, man. I mean, who would have thought? I, I, I'm going to be completely honest. I wouldn't have. Yeah, I'll pull out the receipts on both of us. I think we were completely out on this offense. Like, aside from, I had flirted with Nico Collins a little bit. You know, I put little sliders in his DMs to see how if he wanted to join my fantasy team. But other than that, like, we kind of wrote this offense off, including Damian Pierce. Like, I know we didn't list him here in our biggest winners, but I also think he's he's a huge winner because a lot of people wrote him off as well. But he's performing with RB2 numbers, and he doesn't even have a rushing touchdown at this point, which is insane to think about. But Nico Collins and Tank Dell, these two guys, you probably got off waiver wire. Tank Dell, he is currently the wide receiver 23 at this point. Nico Collins, a wide receiver four or seven, sorry, at this point. If you got either of these guys, you're happy. It's just kind of frustrating. Because you yeah. don't know which one is going to go off. It seems like no, they and that's take turns, that's right? the game that you play. And I'm really glad you brought that uh-huh. up because you there are a lot of people that picked up Nico Collins off the waiver wire because he had a great couple weeks, and then they started him, and then they got almost nothing because Tank Dell came out of nowhere. And now the question becomes: Are they both able to live with each other? For fantasy football, are they both able to to coincide in a world in which they both get fantasy football points? That is yet to be determined because it hasn't happened yet. So, I think I'd be willing to take the dart throw and put them in a flex right now because someone is going to eat in that offense. C.J. Stroud is looking freaking great. He's looking probably like the best rookie quarterback in this group right now. He's throwing the ball often. He's throwing the ball accurately. He hasn't thrown a pick at all. He's leading, He's broken a bunch of rookie quarterback records, and he looks comfortable back there. He looks like he is in command of this offense. He looks like he has garnered the respect of his teammates as well as defenses, and he's doing really well. I have nothing but good things to say about Stroud thus far. I'm very, very impressed. And when a team has thrown the ball 28 times with a rookie, that shows you how confident they are in his arm and his ability at this point. And also, with 38 pass attempts a game, that gives a lot of volume for guys like Nico Collins and Tank Dell. So if you're wondering, like, are these guys weekly starts? I think it's going to obviously be matchup dependent. I do think Nico Collins is a one that could be a every week start for you at this point. Like, he's a top 10 wide receiver. Obviously, you're going to play him. Um but I think it's really going to come down to, are they playing, you know, the Jets who have an elite secondary or who are they playing type of thing Sure, for me? I mean, what about CJ Stroud? You know, I, there's been a lot of conversation about Joey Ice and he is certainly uh, should be on ice because he is not looking good. And you, we're not starting him for fantasy. I mean, we had this I had this conversation with with uh, both Scotty and Allen on last episode, like. You're benching Joe Burrow. You're not playing him right now. I don't think he's worth a drop necessarily. But like is CJ Stroud one of those guys where you'd be comfortable throwing into your lineup and, and feeling comfortable doing that as a you know somebody who you probably could get and or at one point could get off the waiver wires? Yeah, aside from the matchup with the Jets and uh, Tampa Bay that they have uh, coming up later this season, I'd feel comfortable rolling out CJ Shroud because not only is he performing at a high level, but the game scripts are probably going to be in his favor most of the time. Mm-hmm. I, and I, he's doing great. Like I, like I said earlier, I don't, I don't know if there's much more I need to say. I'm happy for the Texans. I'm sad as somebody who was once a Texans fan to to let that era 
go without me on that train, but I, I am excited for them. I wish them the best. I want them to be good. So I'm rooting for them. You know, I'm going to hop on the Taylor Swift train Don't for a second and say that you're the problem here. It's you. I think you're probably right, but the guy I brought into the table certainly is not the problem, and that would be a hometown hero of mine for the Cardinals, James Conner. I just wanted to bring him up very, very quickly here. I don't think we need to have a full breakdown on James Conner, but I just wanted to say he is certainly doing really well, man. I mean, he's he has proven that he is uh, – I'm going to put a little asterisk here – almost quarterback dependent he had a he had a a poor week against a very very difficult san francisco defense but james connor is looking matchup proof you know allen alluded to it allen had said this and james connor was somebody that you were not drafting in the fifth round he was like the he was like a seventh round flyer for some reason and i would be ecstatic if i got the value that he is providing at that round the cardinals aren't good we're not good we're frisky we're kind of fun we're teetering with the edge of like Maybe one day we could be something. Not right now. But James Conner was certainly usable. He is running back 14 on the season, and that is only because of a poor performance last week. Other than that, he has done very, very well. I like James Conner and anybody who drafted him. I just I, I wanted to point it out as, as somebody in the seventh round, you're getting great value out of him. So that was it. We're going to move over to the bad side of the report card, the failing grades, the people and or teams that we need to lock in their room and ground because they are playing too many video games and not studying hard enough. You could probably throw Kyler Murray in there, but that's not who we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Bengals offense to start this one because this is a very sore subject. This is a huge Mm. talking point. Before we go to the Bengals, I want to say anybody who is watching us live, greatly do appreciate it. If you have any questions, because these questions are starting to flow in, we will answer them at the end of the show here. So keep them coming. Whatever you got, we will answer them at the end and, and greatly appreciate it. While you're here, hit subscribe. We do appreciate it. All right, back to the Bengals. This is sucks. This sucks, Yeti. This mm. is terrible. This is not fun. This is not a good time. I drafted Jamar Chase. I own some shares of him, and I'm pissed off. And I think I have a right to be a little upset about this because nothing really has changed on this offense from a personnel standpoint. Not much has changed. Still the same coordinator. Still have all the same receivers. Have Joe Burrow. I think their O-line is pretty much the same. You have the same running back. But what is different about this team is Joe Burrow does not look like Joe Burrow of the last two years, and it is frustrating. What do you think? Yeah, man, we talk about this being kind of a report card session, and if I'm the parents of any of the Bengals owners, I'm not giving them any money to the book fair because this team is looking like they're hungover from the playoffs, from the past couple of years. You know, they had all the highs, and I think they're finally riding that low. Now, obviously, I'm not saying it's all mental here because there are a lot of issues, and it starts with Joe Burrow. But... F- it's, it's hard to imagine this team, who was one of the most explosive offenses in the league, go from that to what we're seeing this year and to the point where they've only had three offensive touchdowns, which is last in the NFL, even behind the Jets. You know, if we look at the Bengals, they are averaging 12.3 points a game. That is second last to the Giants. What are we doing here? And I'm, you know, I'm going to go off here and I'm going to say the Bengals need to look at sitting Burrow. And at that point, I think their season is a wrap and they start trading off guys like T Higgins. T Higgins. And I'm glad you brought that up because this is a point of conversation. T Higgins, this is last year of his contract. 
not looking like they're going to have enough cap space to re-sign him. And I think they've already kind of probably had that conversation with him saying, hey, this is your last year. So maybe they do trade him off. Maybe they trade him off for assets right now because it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs at this point. Joe Burrow doesn't look like he's healthy. And this offense looks like it's struggling. So sell your assets now while you can to look towards the future. I think that's within the realm of possibility. And there are teams out there that will buy him. The mm-hmm. Chiefs come to mind. Chiefs need a wide receiver really bad. They desperately the need Chiefs one. need one. The Panthers, the Panthers have came out and said that they want to get an asset for Bryce Young because they're all in on Bryce. Which and they is want to make sure which that is crazy. Has the weapons because they said they wanted a wide receiver one, but they took their wide receiver one that they had and they sent him off to get Bryce Young. So I, I don't know what they do from here, but it is. I think you're probably right. I think you, you like very clearly that calf is a problem for Joe Burrow. It's a problem for this offense and it sucks. And you know what the worst part is, Yeti? Anybody, if you own T Higgins, you can bench him. I think that's fair to say. Like you can bench T Higgins for fantasy football. You set him there and you say, maybe one day you and I can hang out again. But right now you're not getting it done for me. The problem is for Jamar Chase owners because you can't bench Jamar Chase. I mean, you can't bench Jamar Chase. He's currently, right now, he is wide receiver, what is it? Wide receiver 21. So he still has wide receiver 2 value, which is insane to say. But his floor so far this season is 8 points, and his ceiling is 26 points. So you don't know what you're going to get from him. I think you have to start Jamar Chase. But aside from that, I, th- I don't think I'd really start any of this offense, to be honest. I mean, Joe Mixon, potentially, he's RB20, and you drafted him, he's an RB2. But mm-hmm. that's about where I'm at. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah, so I uh, I have the script right here in front of me uh, for the NFL. Oh, shit, you got that? And on it, yeah, it's right nice. here. Nice, what yeah, do you yeah, see? Yeah. Straight from Roger Goodell's Son office. Um, so what's going to happen is the Bengals are going to suddenly lose to Arizona this week. And from that is going to draw even more conversations of should Joe Burrow even be on the field? At that point, I think their hand is going to be kind of forced and they're going to bench Joe Burrow. And they're going to slowly, you know, just dwindle off throughout the season, lose their games, and they're going to have a top 10 pick next year. So with that being said, they're going to try to trade off T. Higgins. They're going to get, you know, a third round pick or a fourth round pick, whatever it is for T. Higgins, because he's not coming back. Let's be honest. They're going to have a top 10 pick. Marvin Harrison Jr. I say that. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. I mean, that would be a nasty squad. They're man. doing it on purpose. Joe's like limping around. He's fine. His calf's okay. And at what what point do you say fuck this season? Let's worry about our future because you just signed Joe Burrow to a five year deal. I said, I said we said need him thing. healthy. Yeah. No, I yeah. said the same thing. I think on last episode, like you did. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Thank you. I, like I. You, you just spent a shit ton of money on your franchise guy. Let's maybe set him down and say, hey, look, man, it ain't in the cards. Let's get you healthy. I mean, I think that's kind of what the Cardinals are doing right now with Kyler Murray. Like, Kyler Murray it is making good progress. I think he's coming off the pup window, but he's still going to be a couple weeks. And, like, why rush it back? Like, the Cardinals aren't going to do anything this year. And it, it's Especially when you have Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I know. He's looking – he's actually – It's ironically enough, he's not looking terrible. They're not great, but he's looking okay for a backup guy. He's, he's getting it done, so – um, people who weren't getting it done, the Giants' entire offense. We kind of talked about them earlier. They're not getting it done, and 
I don't want to sit here and blame Daniel Jones. I don't think that's fair. And Michael Parsons on his podcast even came out and there's, there's some pictures floating around saying, you guys want to blame Daniel Jones? Look at this. It's his offensive line and three different defensive linemen are converging as he's still taking his drop back. So he hasn't even finished his drop back yet to read the field. And three defensive linemen are about to just destroy him. So I don't think it's fair to fully blame Daniel Jones. Do you want to do you want to blame him for a little bit? Fine. You can. But to sit there and say this is all on him is not a fair statement. You take any other quarterback and you put him in that situation, you're probably going to get very similar results because that offensive line is terrible. His pass catchers are not helping him whatsoever. He's got two young guys who aren't really doing it and then an aging tight end. It's Saquon Barkley or bust, and that's been the Giants' mantra the last couple years, kind of like the Titans. It's Derrick Henry or bust, and the, and the Giants are kind of living through a very similar situation at the moment. So, And unfortunately for Saquon, I don't even think he's going to benefit from coming back because his offensive line is so bad. Yeah, You know, none of their starters, I, I'm just over here looking at PFF's grades for their uh, their linemen, none of them are above a 58% Sick. or 58% grade, which is obviously a huge problem. It's like you and me going out there and playing online. <laughs> I think we could do better at this point. Sign me up. For at least a play, right? Yeah, I'd do it. Pay me a million dollars. I'll go yeah, get just truck block stick everybody. Parsons, whatever. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, is you got to bench most of this team. I, the only one that I think you could probably argue to stay in your lineup, obviously Saquon Barkley, because he's Saquon Barkley. The only other one at this point, probably Darren Waller because the tight end decisions or the tight end room for fantasy football is just a shit show at all times. We got a post coming out tomorrow. So if you're on us, not following us on Instagram or Twitter, you should probably do that because there's some interesting information about tight ends that is a post that is a Bruin that I think you're going to find interesting. Uh, But there's just, there's no optimism. I'm fine buying low, but that doesn't mean stardom. If you want to go roster some of them, fine, do that, but don't play them because you're not going to get any value out of out of them at this moment. So, other people you're not getting value out of. Good old Gibby, Jamar Gibbs, running back, rookie running back for the Lions. This is where Scotty has a little bit of hatred for Dan Campbell, among other hatred reasons to hate Dan Campbell. I don't know why. I love the guy. I think he's crazy. I think he's awesome. Uh, but Scotty, the thing, the interesting thing with Scotty is he keeps going back to the well. He keeps drinking the same Kool Aid where he drafts DeAndre Swift and then he does nothing and then he gets mad at Dan Campbell and then he went back to the well and he drafted Jameer Gibbs and or traded for him in some leagues and then gets pissed because he's getting the same results. I understand the frustration I do. I'm giving Scotty crap because Jameer Gibbs looks like the best running back for this team. And so did DeAndre Swift. So I don't know if Dan Campbell is doing it to protect Jameer Gibbs because what he's doing is letting David Montgomery get all the goal line work. Which is which sucks for Jameer Gibbs owners because that's where you want that's where the money's at, but perhaps it's to try and protect Gibbs. I don't know. I mean, what do you 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 own Jameer Gibbs? What are, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like you said, I own Jameer Gibbs in our dynasty league, and I was super high on Gibbs. I thought he had running back one upside every week in this offense, and I thought Dan Campbell would commit to one back. You know, slap on my wrist for for me thinking that right, but I I. You know, I I had to take a step back because after the Green Bay game on Thursday night, I was kind of in Scotty's same situation of, I hate Dan Campbell. What the fuck is this guy doing to running backs? But I I think it has a lot to do with Jameer Gibbs being a rookie. And not only do running backs in this league have an obligation to, or a, a responsibility to get yards, right? They have a responsibility of protecting the quarterback. 
And I think that is why we are not seeing Jameer Gibbs on the field as much as David Montgomery. Montgomery is a good pass blocking running back when they need him in there. And he's a, he's, he's a proven vet, right? He's going to get the job done and he's a big body guy that can get the work done at the red zone, which is obviously going to earn you more playing time. If you can block and if you're a bigger guy, great. Jameer Gibbs, unfortunately, he's still a rookie. He's still trying to figure out all the, the run blocking or pass blocking that he needs. And I think it's, it's showing a little bit. At this point, if you own Jameer Gibbs, you're just hoping that he breaks like a 60-yard run. Do you try and trade him? Trade him away? In a redraft? Yeah. If you can, but I think everybody's in the same situation of, yeah, I'll buy low on Jameer Gibbs. I don't think you're going to get the complete value. Sure. No, I tend to agree with you there. Like, I don't want Gibbs because I don't want to deal with the frustration. It's kind of a similar conversation that you could have with owning Alexander Madison, especially with Cam Akers starting to get more involved. So uh, on a worse offense at this point or running offense rather so like i there's there's a lot of uh, question marks there it sucks for gibbs owners he was like a what a second round guy is kind of where he was at for redraft purposes if memory yeah, serves second third round yeah so yeah. like you you either drafted him as your rb1 or your rb2 you got him early and you're just not getting that value out of him and it sucks it really does suck and i i feel bad for anybody that drafted gibbs um unless i'm going against you because then i'm kind of happy that you drafted him but <laughs> truthfully it does suck and and I don't hate Dan Campbell. I love Dan Campbell. I love the Lions. I'm I'm all in on him this year, and and I I like the success that they're finding. I just don't like the fact that it's not also getting you fantasy points for Gibbs. Other people that are sucking right now, Yeti DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. Mm. I was I was actually pretty freaking excited for Hopkins because Hopkins is a generational wide receiver. There's a couple issues I think with Hopkins, and I think I think the overarching issue is. This Titans offense looks terrible. This Titan Ryan Tannehill looks absolutely awful. This is the worst football I have seen him play since the middle of the AJ Brown era. Uh, it it is not a good look for Ryan Tannehill, and very clearly the Titans have shown that they kind of want to move on from him because they keep grabbing these like low hanging fruit quarterbacks who are like, well, he's here, let's try him, and then it doesn't seem like it's working for them. They have Malik Willis. They have the other quarterback whose name is currently escaping me. Levis. Levis. Will Levis. Thank you. And it it's not that we haven't seen him on the field. We have no idea what they're capable of. I mean, we kind of saw a sprinkle of Levis last season, but what what are what do we do? Like what DeAndre Hopkins is awful because not only is Ryan Tannehill bad and this offense is bad, he's also getting old. DeAndre Hopkins is 31 years old. And he while he still has some juice left to squeeze, I do believe that. I thought he was gonna kind of be A.J. Brown. I thought he was going to be the A.J. Brown for this offense and kind of help them and elevate them in that wide receiver level because very clearly Traylon Burks is – he's not A.J. Brown either. You know what I mean? And so Hopkins was like a fourth-round wide receiver. I, there was a lot of optimism from me because this team hasn't changed a whole lot, and he kind of goes in and can fill in that Brown role, and he's not. He's just not. And I'm glad that you brought up Traylon Burks here because I think defenses are able to key on – key in on DeAndre Hopkins even more because the Titans don't have another option or another weapon aside from Derrick Henry. So they can put double coverage on DeAndre and say, okay, we're good on that side. And it's not like DeAndre Hopkins is, you know, I hate to say this, but he's past his prime at this point. And unfortunately he's playing with Ryan Tannehill and that offense isn't getting it done. Um, I, I think we're getting to the point in the season where, 
you know, we, we're still focusing on where we drafted these guys, but we got to start letting some of that go. And that's especially the case with DeAndre Hopkins. I agree. I agree. And, and you know, I, I'm not starting him. You can't start him. I think there's other waiver wire people that have a higher ceiling than, than Hopkins. Next up here on the first quarter review, Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Let's just have a we're going to have a moment of silence for our fallen heroes here, London and Pitts. Thank you for being on our way. Bless you. Or thank to you. Whoever sneezed. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, they're done. I'm done with them. I'm I'm done with them. I'm done dealing with this. I've said it last episode. Drop Kyle Pitts. You don't need him. Everybody is, and I, I don't want to be a, a broken record here. Everyone is so encapsulated by the name Kyle Pitts. They're encapsulated by the size and the speed and the talent that is Kyle Pitts. But at the end of the day, he is not going to get done for fantasy football. You can find better value sitting on the waiver wire because Pitts is doing nothing for your team other than the cool name that is Kyle Pitts. He's not getting it done. Drop him. Go find a tight end. Drake London. Wide receiver one for the Falcons. Also not getting it done. Both of these gentlemen are very, very athletic, talented, gifted people, but they're playing with Desmond Ritter on a run-first team. Bench them. Drop them. Move on. Do you have anything else to add? So we, you're kind of covering them in a redraft status or format. Yes, right? yes, yes. In a but don't for... not, not in a dynasty because well, I know I think better things are to come for them. But from if you own them in a dynasty league, let's say you own Drake London in a dynasty league. Okay, obviously you have to hold on to him. But yeah. when are you starting him, or like what is it going to take for you to be like, okay, Drake London is consistent. I'm going to play him. Is it going to be a quarterback change? Is it going to be offensive coordinator change? Like Perhaps what both. does it for Perhaps you? Perhaps yeah. at least one or the other. I, Arthur Smith is, they like to run the ball. And I, I ran some numbers and I don't know if I, the a tweet came out or not, but I was sitting there. I, I like running numbers and kind of scheming things. The running backs are seeing the same target share that Kyle Pitts or that Drake London has seen. The running backs are seeing the same target shares. So you you start to look at that. That becomes a big problem for fantasy. I mean, obviously, they, they drafted Bajon Robinson, and they want to show that he is good. I mean, he he's a very good playmaker for them. But I don't want to start them because I Drake London, he's wide receiver 52 on the year. He's not even a starting wide receiver. He's not, like, for fantasy. And so, yes, he had a great week, two where he put up 18 points, and then he finally put up 11 points this week. He didn't do anything week one, and he barely did anything week three. This is – it's gross. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the headache. And I, I I think more than anything else, I'm waiting until a quarterback change happens, if that happens. And I don't know if it will. you – yeah, and even if it does, I know Taylor Heineke is probably better than Desmond Ritter, but let's be honest, like Taylor Heineke is a backup in this league for a reason. Exactly. I couldn't he's agree more. He's not going to be any he's not going to be a saving grace for this offense. Like they're still going to run the fuck out of the ball. And I think the only thing that is really going to excite me about Drake London and Kyle Pitts moving forward is if they get a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive philosophy. Because if not, we're going to see them run the ball 60% of the time. Which is what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're doing right now. But the the question is, 
is it Drake London or is it the offensive coordinator? Or not Drake London. Is it Desmond Ritter or is it the offensive coordinator? Or is it a is it a mix of both? Will Desmond Ritter take the steps forward needed to be a usable starting quarterback in the NFL to get production for these two gentlemen? Or have we kind of seen all that there is left to see and they just need to move on and get a quarterback? I think they just need to move on and change quarterbacks. Let me propose this to you. This is uh, this is in living in slapdogs fantasy land. Hmm. That's pretty in here. I like Thank it. You. I like it. I, I can decorate. see it. It yeah. took a long time. There's a lot of decorating. Tyler Murray posters everywhere. Well, I'd like to rip those off the wall and give them to the Falcons. Oh, okay. What if the Falcons okay. trade for Kyler Murray? What if? I mean, it, we're talking about what if possibilities. Mm-hmm. What quarterbacks in this league do a franchise want to hold on to? Very obviously, the, the quarterback market is scarce because you look at someone like Daniel Jones who just got paid quite a bit of money while he's in the middle of the pack quarterback. Kyler Murray does have a lot of upside to him. He can throw the ball pretty well. Before his leg injury, he was rushing the ball very well. This offense likes to run the ball. You get both Algier and Bajon Robinson back there. Kyler Murray then becomes a very dual-threat quarterback for this offense, and I think it would look really pretty. Do they actually trade for him? I don't know because his price tag is going to be really high. But the Cardinals, you think about it like this. We brought in a new head coach. We brought in a new system. We brought in a bunch of new people. Kyler Murray is part of the the old guard, so to speak. He's coming back from injury. We potentially have the number one pick in this upcoming draft where we could look to grab a new quarterback. So the conversation becomes, is Kyler Murray for sale? That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I just I, I just wanted to have this this little idea of a conversation because what if? If you took Kyler Murray and you put him on the Falcons, they instantly get a shit ton better. Yes. Period. I would agree, and I know we're kind of straying away from Drake London and Kyle Pitts yeah. a little bit, but I would I'm very curious to see what Arizona does because let's say they do own a you know a top two top three pick, and they still have Kyler Murray on their roster what do you do? Like, are you just waiting for the highest bid for one of those guys, whether it's Kyler Murray or the, the opportunity to get Caleb Williams or uh, Drake may, I think uh, like, are you just waiting for the best option at that point? I think that's what you do. Like, and I don't know, but like, I think you're both like, Hey, we have these two bags for sale. Which one is more expensive that we can sell? (laughs) Right. And then, and I think the Falcons are going to be in on either one of those options. I think they would be, I think they'd be silly not to because they're, realistically the the falcons aren't terrible they're just missing a quarterback and they're missing the opportunity to get these very talented individuals that are that we just talked about utilized and i don't i don't know why i just thought about this but i'm thinking about the spongebob episode where spongebob and patrick are selling chocolates and they go to the lady in the wheelchair and she opens up the door she's like they're selling (laughs) chocolates chocolates i i imagine that the falcons are the ones that are like Huh? What are they Chocolates. selling? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, first quarter review duds. Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Jerry Judy, but I do. I feel bad, man. I, he's being outdone by Cortland Sutton. And do you know what the really shitty thing is? Is Jerry Judy missed his first game. Jerry Judy is currently wide receiver 51 on the year. <laughs> that is terrible. So... I just ran some initial numbers on this. If you take out the first week for both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy still is losing the target share battle. He's got 17.3% while Sutton through weeks two through four 
have a, has a 23.5% target share. And Sutton's currently wide receiver 27. So I just want to pour one out for Jerry Judy. He's not getting it done. And I don't know if he will. Like this offense, is, I, I'm going to tell you this. I'm really happy that the Broncos suck. I know you probably are too Amen. because you're yep. in that division. I'm so happy that they suck because I think Sean Payton is a scumbag and I'm happy that he is failing. He could have went to a bunch of different teams. I'm glad he didn't go to the Cardinals. I don't I might have said otherwise in the past, but I'm I truly am happy that he went to the Broncos. I'm happy that he is failing. And Russell Wilson does not look like he's getting it done for this team. There's a lot of issues with this team, so I don't want to blame it all on Russell Wilson, but I think he certainly has quite a bit of uh, the conversation here to bear for this this team's frustrations. And I, I feel bad for Jerry Judy because he's, he's not doing well, which sucks because last season he looked like Russell Wilson's go-to guy. Yep, and unfortunately it's Cortland Sutton at this point, so I'm going to slap your wrist for saying Jerry Judy is going to be the wide receiver one here. But what's going to be interesting is, do they move Jerry Judy before the trade deadline? Because they're trying to get Marvin Mims, who they drafted this year out of Oklahoma, more involved in the offense. So we we know there's been a, a history of Jerry Judy trade talks this past offseason so i'm curious well they, they were like Jerry really Judy's high on on moving Cortland sutton too like they were like yeah. i thought i legitimately thought Cortland sutton was going to get moved and then he didn't and now it, it looks like maybe it could be jerry judy and i hope it's jerry judy for anybody who owns jerry judy because i don't think he's a bad wide receiver i think he's just gotten one shit stick after the next in his entire career with the Broncos. So I, I hope that, and that's, that's another guy that could be a, a, a trade candidate before this deadline. I don't hate it because they'd be, if the Broncos took a third round pick, I think they'd be fine with that to move on from him. Cause they know they're not going to win anything. They're, they're terrible. All right. That's it for our review. Yeti. Let's move over to the fun, sexy flex appeal, baby. So we are bringing two gentlemen to the table for flex conversation this week. And we're going to tell you if you should, uh, which one you should put in your flex position. So not necessarily that it could be starting, you know, running back or wide receiver, whatever the case is. But these two guys are going to pit against each other, and you're going to, we're going to have a conversation if you should start them. So let's start out with Ramondre Stevenson or Jacoby Myers. So Ramondre Stevenson plays against the Saints, and Jacoby Myers plays against the Packers. So which one of those two guys should we flex? Is this question for me or for how? How do we want to do this? It's for you, okay. but since you read it off to me, I will take the reins on this one and I'll answer thank, it. And we'll just, thank God. We'll flip flop. Okay. Yeah, I got you. So what I, uh, this is a very gross one, so I'm sorry. It, well, uh, it was disgusting. Myself. That's kind of yep. why I'm yep. happy you're taking this because <laughs> I was like, man, I don't make me pick between trash and trash. I got you. I'll bail you out here like I like I have in the off season and such. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll see. Okay. Anyway, let's get back on track here. Um, Jacoby Myers or Ramondre Stevenson? That is a question here. So as a Raider homer, uh, the easy answer for me is Jacoby Meyer. Uh, but I'm going to provide you with a little information here. Jim Garoppolo is back this week, which, yeah, I fucking hate that. Yeah, but for Jacoby Myers' fantasy production, that means great news. Uh, last week, obviously, the Raiders played Aiden O'Connell, who was focusing on Devontae Adams like he should be. So Jacoby Meyer had a quiet week. 
I think the volume is going to be there for Jacoby Meyer to feast. Um, and it's not like this New England second or uh, Green Bay secondary is anything uh, to, you know, get worried about. I think the game script is going to be in the Raiders' favor here. And Jacoby Meyer is the flex option I would like here over Stevenson, who is not getting the job done in New England. No, and I don't, I think part of it's game script. I mean, obviously, the, the Patriots look like shit. I mean, they do, and yep. Yep. Bill Belichick just got handed the worst loss of his career this last week against the Broncos. Mac Jones looks absolutely terrible. Their offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, uh, has 84 heads, and I don't know if he is able to visually see the game. The, the Patriots look like shit. I mean, they really do, and Stevenson is is hurting because this game script is never in his favor, so he's never really touching the ball a whole lot because they're getting down quickly, and it, it's, it's difficult for him, so... I'd probably also and start something. Sorry, I didn't mean to no, cut you off, but something that made Stevenson so valuable last year was the receptions that he was getting out of the backfield mm-hmm. too. And we're not even seeing that this year. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of alarming that Ezekiel Elliott is seeing his snap share go up even more, even though we know what Zeke is and he's, <laughs> he's past his prime as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he's a really good center for the Cowboys. Yeah. Give me Jacoby Myers. I'll, I'll, I'll roll with that. The only thing that scares me is I think, I think Stevenson has a safer floor while Myers has a higher ceiling. So do with that information what you will, but I'd probably be willing to start Jacoby Myers over Stevenson. Obviously, I think a lot of people have to probably um, they have to probably start Stevenson as a running back. Uh, Yeti, are you starting Brees Hall this week or Romeo Dubs? Brees Hall came back this week. He's on it is I say come back this week. He's been back, but um <laughs> Jets head coach Robert Salah has said that Brees Hall's snap count has been removed. So he is no longer on a limited snap count. He should be back to quote-unquote 100%. Jets don't look good. Jets haven't looked good. But I'll tell you what, Zach Wilson did look good this last week against the Chiefs, which is still just I I have to wash my mouth with soap after saying that. But, um, I mean, which one are you doing here? Because Romeo Dubs, as we know, uh, wide receiver for the Packers, he's looked pretty good recently. So... Which one are you taking? I just want to preface this answer by saying that I'm not buying into the comments that Robert Salah came out and said about Brees Hall being off a of snap count. Would I? Th- if if you listen to the press conference, Salah he kept on going on after saying there wasn't going to be a snap count and said there are other guys we want to get involved in this offense at the running back position. So there's a little bit, there's a read Um, between the lines going on. Yes, exactly. So Brees Hall might not be on a snap count, but how do we know that, you know, 45% snap share isn't his role going forward? Because we've seen Delvin Cook's snap share go down over the past few weeks, as it should, but we've seen Michael Carter's role go up, and they have a rookie named Israel Abani Kana. Great verbiage. Great verbiage. Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, I think they want to get him involved as well. Let, so let me ask you this: uh-huh. If you're not going to buy in on Robert Salah saying he wants to quote unquote get some of these players more involved, and if we're taking our highlighter out and reading between those lines here that it could be Brees Hall, could I perhaps sell you in the fact that Denver is has the worst offense when it comes to allowing rushing yards to the running back position at 176 yards per game? Yep, and I mean that's exactly where why I am playing Brees Hall in this situation. 
um, it has more to do with the matchup than anything else. Um, Romeo Dubs, he is a good wide receiver for Green Bay, but I think there are just too many unknowns with this offense, especially with Christian Watson coming back last week. I think they try to ease him into it, and Jordan Love is trying to figure out how to spread the ball out evenly. So I'm not comfortable playing Romeo Dubs. I'd be more comfortable playing Brees Hall because even if he does get eight carries against this defense, he could take those eight carries for like 120 yards and a touchdown, let's be honest. Um, Obviously, Denver's uh, rushing yards per game are kind of inflated thanks to Devin Achan and uh, Raheem Raheem Mostert. But uh, last week, Khalil Herbert, he had 20 fantasy points. Uh, He averaged 5.7 yards per carry. And then Brian Robinson, two weeks prior, a week prior to the Miami game, he had 28 fantasy points, 4.8 yards per carry. So the efficiency is there for Brees Hall to smash, even if he has limited volume. So I'm going Brees. Let me ask you this. Yeah. I'm also going Brees, by the way. So I'm not going to argue that. The matchup is too great not to start Brees. But if he gets over 15 touches this week, are you back on the Brees train that he, that, that he will be the, the main guy going forward, or are you still kind of iffy on him? I'm selling. I'm selling if he gets 15 carries, and if he goes off this week, I think it's a perfect opportunity to sell high. Because I was gonna, and That's why I asked you that question, because I, I kind yeah. of agree with you. Like I, this, this Jets offense does not look like it's going to be stellar, and for that reason, you have the matchup. You have some people who really aren't paying full attention to the full scope of the story here. If Reese Hall has a great week, I would, I would also be trying to sell him. So um, I, that's why I asked that question. So thank you. Yeah, and I'm going to hit you with a, a flex appeal option right. of mine here. Right. So I have two wide receivers that play each other this week. We have Nico Collins or Drake London. You already know my feelings. I think I think when you made this, you probably knew my feelings, and I'm sure you're going to bring to the table some sneaky little Drake London stance, but I'm not doing it. I'm not touching Drake London. I'm taking Nico Collins. This Texans offense looks great, and I, if I own both these guys and I'm struggling with trying to flex one of them and or start them in a wide receiver role, I can comfortably say if I lose my matchup because I started Nico Collins instead of Drake London... I'm willing to look myself in the mirror and accept that defeat because I still feel comfortable that even if I lost, I made the right choice. So give me Nico Collins. You know, I don't actually have any uh, stats for you here. I I think this is a complete easy decision to make, and Nico Collins is the guy to play, okay. uh, especially based off the matchup here. Yeah, I, I uh, honestly, I expect the, the Texans to do pretty well against the Falcons. I really do. The Texans do not look like a bad team, and I think they're. I don't think they're gonna do. They're gonna make a lot of noise this year, but I think they're one of those teams that maybe even as early as next year could really start to make some noise. So they're, they're kind of like mm-hmm. the lions of last year where like you see the semblance of what this team is uh, working towards and achieving and it gets you a little excited. So that's kind of where I put the Texans at right now. And Nico Collins, I, I'd be starting this week. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to, uh, let's go back to you, my friend. This is a fun one. This is a good one. This is one that I think there's going to have, it's gross. It's not great, but that's why I brought it to the table. Jamison Williams, wide receiver for the lions who just came back this week. He was actually suspended for the first six weeks of the NFL season due to gambling violations. And then the NFL changed their gambling violation rules to a four-week suspension, so he is now able to come back early. He was a rookie 
last year that was drafted in the first round. We never really got to see him play because he tore his ACL in the collegiate championship game. So he came back at the very end of the season, was not used, was not available. And uh, and now for the first time in his career, after a year and some change of sitting around doing nothing, he is finally going to be on the field this week. Um, and then you got Michael Wilson, who is the wide receiver for the Cardinals. He's a very hot waiver wire pickup this week. Honestly, both these guys are probably waiver wire pickups for a lot of people this week. Jameson Williams playing the Panthers. Michael Wilson is playing the Bengals. Michael Wilson is starting to look like he could be something. I'm not, or he might not be. He could not be, but he might be. So you have a guy who hasn't played in a year and a half, and you have Michael Wilson, rookie wide receiver for a really bad team. Who are you starting, my friend? Oh... This was it was very hard for me to make this decision because I'm trying not to to look at the lens of what have you done for me for me lately? But what and could seeing you do? Michael, yeah, what could you do? Um it's honestly when I think about Jamison Williams coming back, I am excited to see what he can do in this offense, but I think coming off of his suspension, his role is going to be very limited. And go if you look at what Carolina's past defense has done lately, they have been stopping wide receiver twos. I mean, even last week, I mean, Justin Jefferson still had 18 points, right? But he was limited per, you know, what we what we we've grown to expect from Justin Jefferson at this point, right? In Carolina, and I think Jameson, they actually have the sixth ranked best pass defense at the moment. Exactly. So I, teams are finding success against them on the ground. Yes. Um, so I, I tend to think that Detroit just going to try to pound the rock. This is a copycat league. Detroit's going to pound it with Demont, call it a day. So with that being said, I think Michael Wilson is a guy to play. And I, I want to add some stats here that uh, kind of back me a little bit. So on average, Josh Jobs is throwing the ball 31 times per game. So the volume is going to be there and the game script should be there. I think this is going to be a competitive game, which is sad that's, to say. Yeah, that's just <laughs> it's absurd. sad to say with the Bengals, right? But I think they are going to have to throw the ball to win this game because the Bengals secondary is beat up. They've been allowing a lot of yards over the middle. And where does Michael Wilson feast? It's over the middle. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you look at the numbers for all rookie wide receivers, he has the the highest average depth of target. So whenever he's getting looks, he has the highest yardage. And he has the most air yards for rookie wide receivers at this point. So with that being said, even if he catches three of his seven targets, he's probably going to have 90 yards and a touchdown. I, I'm going to take that upside all day. All right, I agree with you, I, I as it, which is painstaking to say because I've been excited for Jamison Williams. I love Dan Campbell. I'm really rooting for the Lions. Michael Wilson, I think I think the opportunity is there for him this week. But, but I, I still think Williams is a great own, don't get me wrong. I just wouldn't feel comfortable starting him this week. I, I want to see him do some stuff before I really start to get excited about it. So give me Michael Wilson. Everybody who is currently watching us, greatly do appreciate it. We are almost done with this flex appeal, and we will get your questions here. They have been flowing in cr- like crazy Yeti, so we have a lot of questions. So if you're watching us over on YouTube, we're about to get to them. So stay tuned. It is coming soon. But we got to finish this flex appeal. All right. For my last flex appeal, we got Hollywood Brown, your boy here, versus Cincinnati. (laughs) Or running back from Washington, Brian Robinson versus Chicago. 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 Yeah. No, I I really like that you brought this to the table. Um, It's a hard one. It is hard. No, it really is hard. Because Hollywood Brown... 
is the wide receiver one for the for the Cardinals, and then Michael Wilson, who we just talked about, is the wide receiver two for them. So Brian Robinson has looked great as a running back own this year so far. This is tough. It really is because the bank. I think the Bengals Cardinals game is actually going to be very competitive, like you just mentioned. I think if I had to choose, the, and they're both middle of the pack as far as defenses are concerned, so I want to kind of bring that to the mm-hmm. table as well. You know, Chicago has an all right. They don't have the best, you know, run-stopping defense, and Bengals don't have the best pass-catching-stopping defense. That was terrible verbiage, but you get what I mean. I think I got to start Hollywood Brown. I think, I, I think I'm starting Hollywood Brown. I think this game is going to be close. I think that and if at the worst the Cardinals are down, they're going to be looking to throw the ball. I, I think there's a there is a world in which I don't think the Commanders are good. I don't think the Bears are good at all. But and so that game also could be pretty competitive. But if the Bears don't shape up, they could also be down in this game quite a bit too. And then the Commanders could run the ball. I'm going to take Hollywood Brown. He's looked he's looked pretty good. And and I think that okay. I think that he's going to get targets by um, by Dobbs quite often. I mean. I don't know what his his target share is, but he's wide receiver seventeen on the year. He's seen over thirty targets in the last four weeks. I don't have the stats. All right, to look at the target. Yeah, I think if it's a PPR league, the easy answer is Hollywood Brown. If you're playing in a standard or even half PPR, I'm going to go towards Brian Robinson, and I say that because Brian Robinson, he's controlling the snap share for Washington. If you look at games that are in uh, positive or neutral game script, he is the running back uh, that gets all the snaps. He's a running back one, um, obviously against Buffalo. Antonio Gibson saw most of the work, but he is their pass catching back. Um, Brian Robinson has seen um, 12 red zone carries so far. So if Washington can get inside of the red zone, you can almost guarantee Brian Robinson is going to see the workload towards the goal line. So love that for half PPR and for standard leagues. But if it's PPR, I'm going Hollywood. Okay. Sign me up. We only play in PPR leagues. You should only play in PPR leagues because that's what real men and women do. Mm. Last flex appeal. Another kind of gross one. Jerry, (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. These are just just brought like all your guys. Yeah, I was like, Eddie, can you you set my lineup for me? Um, yeah. No, I looked around the league and I was trying to find some guys that that people actually did have on their benches and had on the same teams. Now everybody drafts a little bit differently, but I want to truly try and bring some flex people to this conversation and the table because that's where we're at. That's what this segment is. And also, I kind of like the the idea of flex appeal, sex appeal kind of thing. So it just kind of plays together. But very flexy. Baby. Yeah, baby. So Jerry Judy's playing against the New York Jets, which is arguably one of the hardest defenses to go against in the NFL. And then you have Jahan Dotson going against the Bears, as, as we mentioned, um, Brian Robinson's team as well. So which one are you taking? You know, I want to have some fun here because I know Scotty poked a little fun at the two of us for Christian McCaffrey on Monday's episode. So, you know, I had read somewhere on leatherbrains.com over the offseason that, you know, in, in reference to Jahan Dotson and Scary Terry, that we're looking at a 1A, 1B situation. And uh, this person who wrote the article was betting on Dotson to finish as an A. It's not happening. Oh. It's not happening. Oh, I can't talk. I can't, I can't sit here and talk I don't shit. Know. I can't. Yeah, I don't I, know who wrote that. I, I think it was one of our Leather Brains writers. I think it was. So I'm not going to name it. I think it was. I think. Um, but at this point, I think it was kind of wrong. So well. sorry. Um, anywho. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so with that, you're taking Jerry Judy. Um. 
so I, I want to say for both of these guys, the, the matchups are terrible and the volume share is terrible for both of these guys. Um, but I'm going to go with the lesser of two evils here and say Jahan Dotson. I, I think I'm that's thinking. the easy Yeah, answer. no, I think it is. I mean, Jerry Judy, not only is he not getting the wide receiver one target share, but he also is not he's going against the jets defense and that's that that defense is no joke like it's a really good defense yep. so um yeah it's Jahan dotson for me which sucks because the broncos are probably going to be down so you expect them to throw the ball more and that creates opportunity for jerry judy it really does when the when the broncos were losing 20 to 70 that starting offense was still on the field so take it for what it's worth mm-hmm. but um i i've also I, i'm starting john dotson I'm just not going to deal with the scary headache that it is. But that's all we have for the Flex Appeal. So let's get over to our Brain Busters. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail! Is that good timing? Nailed it. Thank you. This, yeah, that's my favorite part of this episode. Oh, that's my favorite part of every episode. I just get to do the Blues Clues mm. thing. Uh, first question comes from the Dynasty Guy, a.k.a. Chris Norman. He is in a Dynasty Superflex League. Which side wins? James Cook and Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall and Brandon Ayuk? His other running backs are Najee, Barkley, Robinson, and White. I believe the side that he is looking to acquire is Brees Hall and Brandon Ayuk. Oh man, this is really tough for me. It is. Um, That's, he asked this, and I originally thought this was a redraft league, and it, I thought it was a pretty easy question. Uh, yeah. And then I realized it was a dynasty league, and then I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait! Don't, don't take what I said as because if this is a redraft league, I think Brees Hall and Brandon Ayuk side is kind of where I'm at because Garrett Wilson is yeah. playing with Zach Wilson, and I don't think that I think this year is kind of a bust for him. Um, and then James Cook is actually doing really great, but I think. With all the other running backs you have, I think you're okay. So now yeah. you get into the conversation of this is a dynasty league, and Zach Wilson's not a long-term quarterback. So I, there's there's a whole conversation that needs to happen there. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers isn't a long-term option either. Correct. So are you banking uh, on the running back? Or are you banking on the wide receiver? I'm going to go James Cook and Garrett Wilson here. Okay. I, I think you have to take the upside wide receiver here with Garrett Wilson. Not that Brandon Ayuk isn't. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I'm no, 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 no. I, I yeah. think I'm going to do the same thing because James Cook is certainly proving that he is the running back for this team, and they are feeling confident with him. I think Brees Hall's has a higher upside to be better, but I think you're you can comfortably start James Cook still, and you won't be disappointed in it. And Garrett Wilson's a better wide receiver than Ayuk. So I agree with you. I think that's what I would go with as well. Next question comes from the Bush Mush. I love that name. That is incredible. He asks, would you trade Amon Ross St. Brown for Brees Hall? In a redraft league. No. No. Why? Why why would you even consider that? What if he's running back out? Brees Hall's news came out today, Eddie, that his snap count is now not limited anymore. He's going to see 7,000 touches a game. Please. No, 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 no. Please don't, don't buy into the hype. Don't do this. Please, God, no. Don't do this. Don't do I know Amon St. Brown hasn't had that 30-point game or 40-point game this year. I promise it's coming. It's coming. He's baby. Mr. Consistent. And if you really need a running back, go get somebody else. Don't go get yeah, Brees Don't do this to us. Don't do this to yourself. Yes. Don't do it. Okay. Next question comes from the... Motion Man. 
He's one and three. I'm sorry to hear that. If you were listening to us all season, maybe you wouldn't be. Um, hit subscribe. Thank you. Uh, in a 10-man PPR league, he received an offer of David Montgomery and Tyler Lockett for Ramondre Stevenson and Jerry Judy. So would you accept it? I would say yes, I would accept that. I would get David Montgomery and Tyler Lockett and trade away Stevenson and Jerry Judy. You agree? Easy. Okay. Easy. Yep, do that. Yep. Next question comes from T Money Reacts. He said, Should I trade Josh Jacobs and Chris Olave for Bijan? I try to do Jacobs Ooh. and Ridley, but he doesn't want Ridley. Ooh. That's expensive. What are, what are we working with here? That's like it, if it's Dynasty. Um, it's an eight team PPR redraft league. Mm, no. I, I wouldn't bother with it. Yeah. I think that the issue for the Falcons is I think they're going to be playing down, and I don't I – don't, I don't even want to make that argument. I just wouldn't do it. I think that's giving too much for Bajan. Exactly. Uh, next question. Aaron Cass says, is Zach Taylor a fraud? That's- He's a Nebraska boy, so I can't yeah, dog can't- him. I think it, it's, it's more of the offensive line and Joe Burrow. I think they're having issues with health, obviously. And it's it's showing Joe Burrow isn't making those long throws anymore like he was to Jamar Chase. In fact, Joe Burrow is only averaging 4.7 yards per pass attempt at this point. You seem kind of happy when you said that. Like I looked at your face and you, you like <laughs> seem genuinely like <laughs> like a little snicker. I don't know why, but it seemed really mean. I don't think Zach Taylor's a fraud. He is a he's a Nebraska boy and so are we. Uh, but it certainly is not looking like a great year for him. And I don't think he has all that blame to carry. Next question, Squishy Ducky. Which player would you most like to have dinner with? I have mine. Mm, you go first. Current player, Jason Kelsey. I think Jason Kelsey might be my favorite NFL. My current starting, currently starting, currently active NFL player. I don't know how to word that. I'm I'm losing my mind. It's got to be Jason Kelsey. I, I dude, he just seems like such a genuine guy. Like he just seems like a dude's dude. Like he's someone that like I'm gonna go eat burgers with. We're gonna have a bunch of beers. We're gonna fuck around and then we're gonna stumble our way home he doesn't seem like he's flashy he doesn't seem like he's trying to put on a show he doesn't want to be in front of the like i mean obviously he does things to be in front of the camera but he just seems like a normal guy it would be jason kelsey for me mm, i think i'm gonna go with um tua who I'd be, I'd be really curious just to see what exactly is going on in his mind like if like if it's still there like if yeah <laughs> yeah like what kind of conversation can he have with me at this point? Like, is he just like a X's and O's type guy and that's all he knows? Like, he's programmed to talk about football like a, on that. Like a robot? It. It's like, you're asking me about life? Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Well, also, he's going to eat left-handed, and that kind of freaks me out. So, yeah. um, next question. Thank you, Squishy Dougie, for the question. Next question comes from, oh, it's Aaron Cass again. Best running backs to trade for when I have Alexander Madison as my running back one. Um, ah. I'm sorry you have Alexander Madison as your running back one. That sucks. Um, um, I'm trying to think of guys who aren't as expensive but could provide higher upside. I think James Cook is one of those guys. I, I don't know if you can pry him away from the owner, but he's hasn't had like a boom week where he's put up 40 points. So I think he's a he's a decent target. Um, Brian Robinson, I think Demont, David Montgomery is yeah, another one. Just because yeah. Jameer Gibbs' name carries value. Um, Kenneth Walker, perhaps, but I don't know yeah. if you're going to be able to yeah. get him either. Um, maybe look at those guys. See what Kamara, maybe, maybe he's he, he's just somebody that 
there's not a lot of in a PPR league. I I like the idea of getting Kamara just because Derek Carr is kind of limited as to what he can do yeah. with that AC joint. Yeah, I don't hate that. Um, I don't know what the price would be on Kamara though at this point. That's the question that you have to ask yourself. Yeah, do some shopping. Look around whenever you're doing a trade, and this is for anybody who is actively looking to do trades in fantasy football. The very first thing you should do is go scout around at team needs for other people and see what you're willing yeah. to sell. So, like in one of my leagues, for example, I have DK Metcalf. I'm looking to sell him. I don't need him. I don't want him. I actually, DK Metcalf is my flex wide receiver, which is a good problem to have, but I don't need him and I'm looking to buy a running back. So, my, my what I do is I'm going around looking at all the other league mates and saying, who has some other running backs that they're not, they could, they could live without and I that would be very excited to own DK Metcalf. So, whenever you're doing trades, that's what you kind of need to look for is look at teams to target to trade that will benefit both parties. Squishy Ducky asks one more question. He says, does Cole Komet have another big game against Washington? No. Oh. Hmm. I don't think so. I don't either. I don't, I, I, I don't want to say last week was a fluke with Justin Fields, but I'm going to need to see more of that. I agree. Because he, he didn't get it done with his legs, obviously, which is great to see that he's able to throw the ball. But like I, I said, it was the Broncos. Like, prove it to me. Yeah. No, I agree. Let's see it again. I agree. I think he has a good matchup with uh, Washington, but yeah, I want to, I want to see it. I mean, tight ends gross in general. Like if, like if you're not starting Andrews or Kelsey, then you're kind of playing matchups anyway. So I guess I wouldn't hate it, but I wouldn't expect it either. Uh, Next question comes from Kyle Grove in a full PPR format. Who would you rather have rest of season? DJ Moore or Debo Samuel? This is disgusting, Kyle. I appreciate your question. And I even appreciate more that you've hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much. But this is gross. So I'll take the reins on it because it's gross. Debo. Uh, Debo. Debo. Yeah. It's Debo. Bingo. Yeah. The the problem with DJ Moore is not DJ Moore. It's um, Matt Eberflus. It's Justin Fields. It's... It's not DJ himself. It's Debo. Debo's the guy. Debo is the guy I would rather own. Next question comes from Benguin O two Y T. Interesting name. He's one in three. Sorry to hear that. Some of us are. He's in a ten team PPR league. He has Jerome Ford and Godwin and White on bye. He has to start two running backs, two wide receivers, one flex. He's got Josh Jacobs, Khalil Herbert, McLaughlin, Ramondre Stevenson. T. Higgins, Christian Watson, Garrett Wilson, Chase, and A.J. Brown. Also, Waller or Ertz. You're playing Ertz. If you have not heard any of our other shows, I live on a tower that is Zach Ertz. You start Ertz. Ertz, just a just a little sprinkle for something. If you're not following us, go follow us over on Instagram and Twitter because something's coming out tomorrow that a lot of people might find interesting about tight ends. Um, two running backs. receivers are very easy for me. It's got to be Jamar Chase and AJ Brown. Yeah, you, why? You have to start why them. would you fl- or why would you bench them? Yeah, no, you have to. Start I, I, you, I understand that they it, Chase has been disappointing, but no, you don't want to risk. That. No, you. He don't. has 30, 40 point upside on any given yeah. week, even with a broken Joe Burrow. Agreed. You start both those guys. Running backs. I would start. Who is the Raiders playing again? They are playing Green Bay. I'd probably start Josh Jacobs. Yes, easy volume play is Josh. Jacobs. I'm not sold on McLaughlin. Nope. Um, so Stevenson. I would lean. Why Stevenson? I would lean Herbert would you? here. Yeah, that's how far off Stevenson has kind of fallen. 
That's gross. I mean, Herbert's only done it for one week, and it was against Denver. Yeah, but they they go up against Washington. I think he has a a better matchup than New England does, who goes up against the Saints, who kind of have a very stout run defense. And with Zeke taking more of the workload, Stevenson doesn't do it for me anymore. Okay. Well, then there you have it. He asked one more question. Should he trade Jamar Chase and Ramondre for Bajan and Puka? My answer, yes. If you can. Yeah, I would do that. I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, Next question comes from, oh, Alan Castro. What up, baby? Welcome in. Appreciate your question. He said, I saw you on TikTok. You were hating on Taylor Swift. Care to comment? My comment is this. I said what I said, and I have no regrets. If you didn't know, we're on TikTok. We're making reels. We're doing fun things. We're on Instagram. We're on. We're everywhere. We are everywhere that there is media, um, and we did. And the, the TikTok is actually blowing up quite a bit about how I made some comments about Taylor Swift. I stand by what I said. I don't care about Taylor Swift at the NFL games. I think it's fine. But I think for her and Travis's relationship, it's getting blown way out of proportion. So that's not on her, though. Well, let's. It's no, no, it's not. And I'm not talking shit. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about Taylor. I'm not talking shit on Taylor Swift as a person. I'm talking You're shit just a hater. on the NFL constantly pivoting to go watch her eat nachos. That's what I have a problem with. Like, I don't give a shit about that. I'd rather watch football, talk about football. Don't talk about her newest album while she's sitting next to Kelsey, shoving food down her face, sitting next to Blake Lively. I don't care. Next question comes from, and I think this is the last one, Fletcher Cox. Wow. Fletcher, I didn't know Fletcher Cox listened to this podcast. Thank you so much. Um, should I trade Derrick Henry and Tua Tagovailoa for Ramondre Stevenson and Anthony Richardson? No. What are, what are your other running backs? That's the question at hand. He's in a 12-man PPR league. I'm going to say no. I, just knowing what I know in this instance, no. I think Tua has a lot of upside throwing the ball. Obviously, Richardson does run at the ball, but um, if I had to pick between Derrick Henry or Ramondre Stevenson, I still – Tony Pollard's his other running back. I would keep Henry. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tua can match Anthony Richardson on any given week, and then Derrick Henry – if you look at his playoff schedule, he has Houston twice. Yeah. And he has historically put up huge numbers against Houston. Chef's so if you can hold on to Henry, please do. Um, yes. Uh, I saw someone say Ramondre was a good buy low. Not with the way that offense looks, to be honest with no, you. No, I've, I've always tried to stay away from the Patriots offense, and that has not changed this year. So I wouldn't be. But you know what, Fletcher Cox? You're a grown man or woman, I guess. I don't know. I would assume a Fletcher is a grown or a man's name, but um, either way, that's what I would do. Love watching you play on Sundays, Fletcher. Yeah, you're doing great, buddy. Uh, okay, one more question. We're going to get out of here. This comes from Benguin02YT. Again, he says Shroud, Zach Wilson, or Russell Wilson, or Purdy this week. I'm assuming that's Stroud. And if that is, in fact, Stroud. I forget who the Texans are playing. They play Atlanta. Yeah, give me CJ Stroud. Yep, that's an easy one. Yeah. Um, okay, Yeti, that's it. Appreciate all your questions. If you guys want to hit subscribe, mean the world. We're doing this every Monday and Wednesday. Welcome to Leather Brains. You hit the subscribe, you're officially a brainiac. And if you are listening on the podcast the following day and you're not following us on these platforms, you need to go do it because you're missing out on good quality content that could help you win these fantasy games without having to listen to the podcast all the time. And that's it. Yeti, appreciate you joining me. Appreciate you doing this with me. It's been fun. It's been real, but we're out of time. We. Good luck, Brainiacs. We 
R. R. I, I always say we. You're killing this. We'll do it again. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.